the Bible passage that he'll be preaching on. That's uh, the book of 3 John. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on your way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does good, anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Jack will be up on the screen in a moment with the message for today. G'day everyone. Yes, here I am, stuck at home in isolation. But thankfully, with the wonder of technology, we can still share in God's Word together today. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, we as human beings are always imitating. We're always copying and mimicking and following the things that other people think and say and do. We see that, for example, in fashion. You see someone who's wearing some new clothing design, some new brand or new season colours, some new hairstyle or accessory or whatever it might be. And you think to yourself, well, well, that's never going to take off, is it? But before you know it, you see it everywhere, as one person after another follows the trend. And before you know it, you're following it yourself. And then before you know it, everyone's moved on to the next best thing. But don't be thinking that we're somehow immune to this, even if we're older. I can remember a time not that long ago when just about every man would come to church wearing a tie, and just about every lady would have permed hair. But how many ties and how many perms do we see around us today? Is that coincidence? Or did the trends change? And eventually, we all copied. We all imitated. But what about in other areas? There are trends in language. It's not that long ago that we never used terms like under the pump or steep learning curve. Or there are trends in hospitality. It's not that long ago that coffee machines and cheese platters were unheard of. 
It's not that long ago that open-plan living and minimalistic decor were unfamiliar to us. Not that long ago that no one had a smartphone or a big screen TV. But all of these things became common because we're followers. We all imitate. And you know, it's important for us to realise this. For we might like to think that we're not influenced by our culture, our society, by those around us. We might like to think that we never copy other people. But the reality is that we all do. Whether we admit it or not, we're always following someone. And while the kinds of things that I've just mentioned are not really such a big deal, there are areas that we do need to think about much more carefully. And that's what the Apostle John is talking about in this short letter called 3 John that we're looking at today. For in verse 11 he says there, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. You see, while some things we imitate are neutral, like a hairstyle or a cheese platter, other things are definitely not. And so John warns us here not to imitate anything evil. And at the same time, he encourages us to imitate what is good. And this is the key imperative in his letter. It's his main instruction. And it leads us to ask ourselves, well, well, who are we being influenced by? Who are we following and imitating in our own lives? But as we look at this short book, we discover that it doesn't only contain an instruction about imitation, but it also contains examples. So we're going to start with someone who we shouldn't imitate, and then a bit later we'll look at those who we should. Now, if you were here with us a few weeks back, then you'll realise that the opening of 3 John is very similar to what we saw in 2 John. Again, verse 1 begins, with, uh, begins by telling us that it's written by the elder, a term which John used to refer to himself. Then it tells us who it's written to. But while 2 John was written to the lady and her children, a metaphor for a local church and its members, 3 John is actually written to a single person, to a member of a local church called Gaius. And we should also note that like last time, in this brief opening, John mentions both love and truth. And that's a hint of what we should look out for later. So John's writing to Gaius, and he's the one who's being urged to think about imitation. And so John says to him, do not imitate what is evil. And he says that in verse 11, because in verses 9 and 10, he has just described a person who should not be followed, a man by the name of Diotrephes. So, so what do we know about him? Well, it seems that Diotrephes was a prominent leader in Gaius's church. And it seems that John had written to him about things he was unhappy about, things that were not right and shouldn't happen in the church of Jesus Christ. But it's apparent that Diotrephes had ignored the letter, as those things were still going on. 
and it's also apparent that he'd not shared it with the whole church. For John says, when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. So what's the real problem? Why was this man such a bad example? Well, John mentions five things. First of all, Diotrephes, he says, was a person who loves to be first. The Greek word here suggests that Diotrephes loved to be a leader, but for all the wrong reasons. He was probably a self-appointed leader, uh, rather than being called by the members of the church. He was probably an authoritative leader, who loved to be in charge, rather than serving in humility. And he was probably an arrogant leader, who ignored advice rather than listening to what others said. Diotrephes, John says, loved to be first. But secondly, John says that he will not welcome us. Even though John was an apostle of Christ, well known to speak and write with God-given authority, even though he may have been involved in establishing this very church, Diotrephes did not want him or his supporters around. And even if John were not all of those things, we could still ask, why would Diotrephes reject a Christian brother? It's not clear if this refers to a rejection of John's letter or of a proposed visit. But either way, this man, well, he saw John as a threat to his own authority and his own importance and his own influence. And so he refused to welcome him. Thirdly, John adds that Diotrephes has been spreading malicious nonsense about us. Rather than simply shunning the apostle, this man tried to justify his actions by spreading lies and rumours. We're talking here about gossip, aren't we? And we all know about gossip. Passing on some juicy information. Maybe it's partly true, but yet it's twisted in such a way as to promote your own ends, to cause hurt and damage. And all behind the person's back so they cannot defend themselves. Maybe you know people like Diotrephes, who love to spread malicious nonsense. But fourth, it says, not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. John's talking here about those people who, like himself, travelled about teaching the good news of Jesus. He's not talking about the deceivers who were mentioned back in 2 John, but he's talking about genuine Christian missionaries. But Diotrephes, well, he didn't want to know them either, for he was more interested in exalting himself than in exalting Christ, and so he wouldn't let them come. And then finally it says he also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. As if it wasn't bad enough that he refused to welcome John and other Christian leaders, he tried to control others in the church as well, preventing them from welcoming these leaders. So determined was he to maintain his own authority that if anyone defied him, he would abuse his power and he'd kick them out of the church. 
Diotrephes stopped others from welcoming true gospel preachers, and he put them out of their fellowship. And so this man motivated John to write these words, Do not imitate what is evil, and to add anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. You see, friends, Gaius would have been sorely tempted to fall under the influence of this man, for he was no doubt a charismatic personality, convincingly promoting his own views while suppressing others, mocking and maligning his opponents, dealing harshly with anyone who stood in his way. But John says this man is evil. He's more interested in his own interests than in God's interests. In fact, he doesn't even know the Lord. And so don't fall into his trap, John said. Don't follow in his ways. Don't be tempted to imitate him. But I wonder, who are we imitating in our lives? Is it someone who's too fond of their own importance? Someone who refuses to listen to the views of others? Someone who is quick to criticise those who think differently? Someone who attacks anyone who questions them? Maybe they're critical of the church and its God-appointed leaders, loving to find fault without ever lifting a finger themselves. Maybe they're always putting other people down, always mocking in order to make themselves look better. Maybe they have their own theories, their own obsessions and hobby-horse topics that don't quite seem to line up with God's Word. Maybe they deny certain elements of the Gospel. Maybe they're really promoting worldly ideas under the guise of Christianity. Maybe they ridicule the need for holy living, or for sacrificial service, or for evangelism. Maybe they've made some side issue more important than Jesus. Maybe they've made themselves more important than Jesus. It could be someone who you follow online through their podcasts or blogs or websites. It could be a favourite author or TV preacher or personality. Or it could be an influential friend or a member of your family. You know, it's really quite amazing how quickly we can get sucked into other people's ways of thinking. How quickly we can start speaking like they do and acting like they do even when we know deep down that their ways are unhelpful, ungodly, and unbiblical. But John says, just be so careful about who you follow. Are they leading you closer to the Lord? Or are they dragging you away? Consider the agenda that they're pushing. Consider how they treat other people. John says to us this morning, do not imitate what is evil. But now we want to look at the other side of the coin. For on the positive side, John urges us instead to imitate what is good. For anyone who does what is good, he says, is from God. And in this passage, we also find examples of that. The most obvious one is straight after these words in verse 12 where John refers to another man in that local church. 
he says Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. So Demetrius, he was uh, obviously very different to Diotrephes. He didn't love to be first. He didn't refuse to welcome the Apostle John. He didn't spread malicious nonsense. He didn't reject the gospel teachers, nor did he force others to do so. But what did this man do? Well, we actually don't know. All we know is that everyone spoke well of him, for he was clearly a faithful and godly man. And that's all that John needed to say, because Gaius obviously knew him well, and so he was a good example to follow. But interestingly, if we want more details of what makes someone a good example, we can go on and consider Gaius himself. For listen now to, to what John says about him in verses 3 and 4. He says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified to your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. My friends, sadly, there are just far too many lies in this world. Lies about our origins and our destiny. Lies about the divine and about humanity. Lies about sin and salvation. Lies about what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, what's commendable and what's disgraceful. But God has revealed the truth. He's revealed it by his Son, through his Spirit, in his holy word. And that's what Gaius is commended for. He didn't follow Diotrephes and his malicious nonsense. He didn't run after every persuasive personality or every new idea or philosophy. No, this man knew the truth. And he was faithful to the truth. And he walked in the truth. And this filled John with great joy. For you see, without the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel found in the Bible, we have nothing. But with this truth, we find grace, and we find forgiveness, and we find restoration, and we find hope. With the truth, my friends, we find our Saviour and all of his glorious blessings. But, as we saw previously in 2 John, there are in fact two hallmarks of genuine Christianity. One is the truth, but the other is love. You see, you cannot have real truth if it doesn't reveal itself in love. And you cannot have real love if it's not grounded in the truth. But this man Gaius, he had both. For not only did he walk in truth, but in verses 5 to 8, John says this, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way, 
in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. You see, Gaius, he was no theological, no, sorry, theologian sitting in his ivory tower, someone who knew all the answers but cared very little for people. No, Gaius, he was actively providing for the needs of others, and he was doing so even though he didn't know them. They weren't family. They weren't part of his friendship group. They weren't even part of his congregation. They were complete strangers, but yet he loved them and showed them generous hospitality. It seems that John's speaking here of the very same people who are mentioned in verse 10, those who were travelling from place to place teaching the gospel. And so Gaius supported them, despite the opposition of Diotrephes. And so, as a result, he had gained a reputation for his love. His love for God, his love for God's mission, and his love for those who were part of it. He truly was a man worth imitating. But you know, we can also find a good example in the Apostle John himself. We already know that he was a warrior for the truth. After all, he was one of Jesus' own disciples. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one who wrote five books of the New Testament. And he was instrumental in establishing the early church. But don't ever think that John's high position meant that he didn't care for people. I mean, listen to how he writes to Gaius. In this short letter, he addresses him no less than four times as his dear friend. This is a very intimate term. This was a man who he cared for deeply, a treasured companion, a beloved friend. And in verse 1, John speaks of him as someone who I love in the truth. He loved Gaius not primarily because he was deserving of it, because he was a particularly lovable guy, but it was because they shared together in the true gospel. But listen also to verse 2. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. What caring and tender words. John revealed that he prayed for Gaius. And when he prayed for him, he was concerned for his health, and he was concerned for his general well-being, and he was concerned for the well-being of his soul. And listen also to the final two verses. John says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. John just longed to see his godly friend again. He longed to be with him and to talk to him. And he was also concerned for many other friends, both those where he was and those 
where Gaius was. And so even in this very short opening and closing, well, we see something of who John was. We see something of his concern for God's truth, but also his deep, deep love. And so he too was someone worth imitating. But this all helps us as we consider who we should follow, who we should imitate in our own lives. Let us look for those who know and teach and are faithful to the truth, to God's word. And you know, that takes discernment. For there are many out there who quote the Bible, who reference the Bible, who make use of the Bible, but yet their message is still a lie. My friends, look for the person who truly speaks the word of God, even when it's unpopular, even when it's mocked, even when it goes against the culture of our day. For my friends, the word of God is truth, and it's the only source of real and eternal life. But we must also look for those who live out that truth in love. And genuine love, well, that's a willingness to give of yourself for the good of others, even when it's inconvenient and costly, even when it hurts. Genuine love is not self-serving. It does not take advantage. It seeks nothing in return. Genuine love is love for God, which is then lived out in love for neighbour, both your Christian neighbour in the church and your neighbour who is still lost and needs to hear about Jesus. My friends, who are we imitating? May it not be those, those charismatic personalities who are far too concerned with their own importance and resent those who threaten it. Rather, may it be the person who humbly walks in the truth of God's word and lives it out in heartfelt, sacrificial love. They may not be in the limelight. They may not be spectacular or famous or important. But yet people speak well of them, for they're faithful and godly and compassionate. That's who we should follow. But as we conclude, there's one more thing to say. You see, it may not have escaped your attention that, that Jesus is not mentioned even once in this letter. But yet, he lies behind every single word and every single thought. For the truth that we are speaking of here, well, it's his truth. And the love that we're speaking of is his love. And so while there is great value in imitating godly women and men, we should only do so insofar as they are imitating the Lord Jesus. For even the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2 we're told, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. My friends, Jesus, unlike Diotrephes, he did not love to be first, but rather he made himself the last. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Jesus is the one who perfectly embodies truth. He's the one who declared in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he's also the one who, who perfectly embodies love. For as he himself said in John 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so it's at the cross that we see his truth and his love most clearly displayed. Sisters and brothers, there is no doubt that we humans are always imitating what others think and what they say and what they do. So let us consider this morning very carefully who we are following. John says to us, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Let us seek out godly examples in our lives, humble believers who trust firmly in Jesus, who strive to live a holy life, who care deeply for the needs of others. Let us seek to follow them and not those who will lead us astray. But most of all, let us seek to follow Jesus, to be imitators of him, our Saviour, and our Lord. Amen. Shall we pray? Our dear Lord God, please help each one of us to consider who we have been following and imitating in our lives. It's so easy for us to get swept up by the appeal and the influence of a strong personality. But that doesn't mean that they are right. And so, Father, if we've been listening to someone who's been dragging us away from you, then, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and we ask you to restore us. Lord, teach us to imitate not what is evil, but what is good. Lord, please help us to find faithful Christians to model our lives upon, those who are humble and holy and godly. Lord, help us to look for those who walk in your truth and who live it out in their lives. And Father, as we seek to imitate them, may we ourselves grow and mature so that others may also imitate us. And Lord, above all, may we learn to imitate Jesus, for he is our perfect saviour, but also our perfect example. Lord, please empower us by your Holy Spirit to follow and walk in his ways. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.